0: Hello, Money Multipliers. Welcome back to another episode of The Money Multiplier Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and we ask ourselves, do our dollars make sense? So, in today's episode, I have some interesting topics and viewpoints about the relationship with cryptocurrency as we move into 2024. So I have a lot of notes. I'm gonna, I may be looking down if you're watching me on YouTube, because I got my note sheets in front of me because I'm still a student of this. I'm learning about the whole crypto space and really how it can be beneficial for us moving forward to hold this asset class in our portfolio. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about inflation, the American dollar going under and bankrupt or losing its value. And it's really opening up the conversation for the crypto space for future exchange currency. So here's what you need to know as we get into 2024 to hedge and prepare for what's coming next. So this conversation has been more in intense than ever before, especially this year, 2024. And just to preface this as well, my little asterisk here, I am not giving financial advice. This is strictly educational. And this is me, what I've been learning on my crypto adventures. And I'm just a student. I'm learning more and more every day. And I just want to bring this knowledge base to my community about what I've been learning. You know, because IBC or the infinite banking concept is all about decentralizing that currency from the commercial and conventional banks. So how can we also do this in the digital world and market? So let's dive in so i've crafted a list here of 10 crypto predictions to happen in 2024 um, especially pertaining to bitcoin so btc bitcoin There has been some talk about the Bitcoin ETF to be approved in 2024. So Bloomberg is predicting for this to be approved early quarter one this year and the SEC is to approve or reject the ETF applications. BTC is about to hit a new all-time high in 2024. Experts are predicting that this will happen even if the SEC does not approve of the Bitcoin ETF. And Bitcoin is actually uh, prepared to hit close to $80,000 before the end of 2024. And in theory, this could actually even go higher in 2024 if the Bitcoin ETF is a approved by the SEC. Now, Bitcoin having to push Bit- Bitcoin even higher, to push that BTC even higher, and Bitcoin having just so my folks who aren't familiar with this space, because I personally, when I first heard about that, I was like, what in the hell is halving? You know, so Bitcoin halving is a process whereby the Bitcoin mining reward is cut in half to reduce the number of new coins entering into the network. So this increasing due to the decreased supply of BTC. And this is kind of just basic economics understanding, right? Where if the supply decreases and the demand is still there, the demand is high, then the cost will still remain high as well. We will also see the first narrative, Of the first crypto bull market happening in 2024. Um, Ethereum, you know, Ethereum, the DECON upgrade, I think I'm pronouncing that right, DECON upgrade will be adopted in 2024, and this is to significantly increase the scalability or the speed while lowering the transaction's cost. So this is actually like the second big upgrade that Ethereum has gone through since its inception. Now another topic too, stable coins will start to be used for payments around the world in 2024. Now for my folks listening, what are stable coins? Well, stable coins are a cryptocurrency whose value is pegged or tied to that of another currency, commodity, or financial instrument. So, you know, stable coins are aimed to provide an alternative to the high volatility of the most popular cryptocurrencies, that's including Bitcoin, BTC, which has made crypto investments less suitable for common. And transactions. So here's kind of some key takeaways. The stable coins are cryptocurrencies that attempt to peg their market value to some external reference. Stable coins are most useful than more volatile cryptocurrencies as a medium of exchange. And stable coins may be pegged to a currency like the U.S. dollar or to the price of a commodity such as gold. You know, these stable coins are to pursue price stability by maintaining a reserve asset as collateral. So, these stable coins continue to come under the regulators given the rapid growth of about 128 billion, billion with the B, market and its potential to affect the broader financial system. So, we're going to see a lot of talk about this, especially in big publicly traded companies happening and what's on their balance sheets coming up in this next year. So, mainly, it's the non-USD stable coins. So after this update, the Dinkon update, Ethereum will be able to be used for exchange payments. So the USD could compete with local domestic currency. And what is interesting is, is that the stable coins are backed by US government debt. So what that means is, is that when you buy, buy a stable coin, you are subsidizing the government spending behind the scenes. And I thought that was a little interesting as I've been furthering up my knowledge on this. So, you know, some governments will also start using BTC as an international trade in 2024. You know, Iran and Russia, they have been the early adopters and starters of this. And I believe this will spike in popularity because governments want to use a digital currency that they know is incredibly neutral. So, you know, there is talk that this may be adopted as a new reserve for currency as well. Central banks will be able to hold crypto on their balance sheets starting in 2025. So, common for BTC to be held by publicly traded companies on their balance sheets, that, as I mentioned, is coming in 2024, and publicly traded companies is now past the possible for them to report the unrealized gains on their holdings along with their losses. So this may result into some FOMO, right? FOMO, fear of missing out, coming into this new year. So here's kind of like the pro standpoint behind this. You know, why companies are wanting this on their balance sheets is because it's hedging their currency risk aka inflation devaluing of the u.s currency and alternatively like the con to it is if they see this as a risk asset then they probably won't be adopting they want to hold something that's stable and that they can manage safely within their portfolio so pro-crypto politicians because reminder it's an election year not just in the United States but everywhere it now I can't sit here and say everywhere but but in a lot of places around the world it is an election year and pro-crypto politicians will be elected around the world in 2024 and huge elections are happening this year not just in the United States so there has been a lot of backlash and push for a cashless society. And the pandemic gave a lot of sense to the public about what governments are willing to do to their population. So the prospect of government having total control of currency is giving the public a pushback to true financial freedom. What do I mean by true financial freedom? You having your money and you being able to spend it how you want, when you want, and for whatever you want. So honestly, y'all, I'm giving you all these facts because the education is out there and you need to educate yourself. I've actually, myself, I've been putting a lot of Pushback on crypto and kind of putting it in my back burner because it was just my lack of knowledge, my lack of education. And I wasn't doing my own homework to go out there and really research up on this stuff. And so now because I understand and I've been reading more and more about this and money mechanics and everything in between, I'm wanting to really be in the know, because if you're informed, you'll know what to do. Quoted by Nelson Nash himself. So here's some myths about Bitcoin cryptocurrency or BTC. You know, Bitcoin is too volatile to be a store of value. You know, it trades without intervention, right? The government doesn't like that. They wanna be up all in your business looking up your dress. However, the volatility could fall to the same level as the US dollar in 10 years if this adoption is gained by the SEC. And what it is and measuring its true value. So take the power to control money away from the central banks and governments. That's why folks are so gung-ho about this cryptocurrency because it's you taking back the control. What do we talk about within the infinite banking space all the time? It's all about you controlling your monies. So, this currency, it, it, it's us taking back that control and all currency, in my opinion, is considered volatile. Remember that hidden tax we called inflation? What is happening happening to the U.S. currency right now? Do you recall from a few weeks back my grocery store episode where I was talking about grocery store prices and the rise of goods and commodities of what's happening just here in america so in my humble opinion all forms of currency is going to be volatile and you can't really dictate or control how that's going to happen so you can only control what you can control for yourself and your family so that was one of the myths you know bitcoin is just too volatile to be a store of value here's another one btc has failed as a means of payment which we have been seeing that, right? You can't just go out to Walmart and pull up with your shopping cart with your paper towels, toilet papers, eggs, bagels, whatever you're purchasing and go up to the Walmart cashier and say, hey, here's my Bitcoin, I wanna buy these goods. You can't do that here in America. So the SEC has purposely not approved of this as a means of payment quite yet. So BTC is taxed as well as property in the United States and why businesses aren't really adopting this is because it's a lot of bookkeeping, a lot of more headache than what they got to do already. And so when you go in and you hold these Bitcoins on your books, you need to track the gains and the losses and this reason is why it's not being adopted by common people in publicly traded companies quite yet and and to be honest too like a little note like the infrastructure is just not there you know it's very early on in the adoption stages and so that infrastructure is just not there for it and I believe this is being improved every single day now here's another one Bitcoin is wasteful and bad for the environment due to the energy machines used for Bitcoin mining. You know, this does use a lot of energy and is it worth it? And to be honest with you, I think I think the answer is really based on the person that you ask. You know, financial freedom is to transact freely. And how does this happen with our current financial energy? You know, it's actually argued by some folks that clothes dryers use more energy than bitcoin mining. And they even argue that sometimes it uses less energy. You know, bitcoin mining uses flare gas and that gas is going to go into the environment anyways. And they're also arguing to the standpoint that BTC is deflationary, where folks are more likely to save rather than spending that money. And I think right now we've kind of seen this over the pandemic, pandemic and those stimulus checks that were being pumped out to every single family is is that we have an overconsumption of goods. And this overconsumption of goods allows for more trash and litter to be left in the environment as well, which is not great for the environment. So Another standpoint I just kind of want to talk about is is that BTC will be replaced by a competitor. So that's kind of a myth that folks are talking about. And it's kind of funny because a lot of these myths I'm talking about, you will hear them in the noise of mainstream media, the big head honchos up there. And so folks are thinking that BTC will be replaced by a competitor. However, most of crypto's market cap is BTC. So a lot of the cryptocurrencies and and folks who hold those crypto currencies, (laughs) lack of better words, is Bitcoin. So it's that top dog when we're talking about cryptocurrency. Now, also... Bitcoin is not backed up by anything. That's another myth that people are talking about. And and here's kind of the research that I've done on this, because again, like I mentioned, I am not an expert in this area. But what I've read up on is, is that Bitcoin is backed by computer code and participants in the blockchain. These are the ones that you see most often in the mainstream media. You know, and the important thing about this, like I mentioned over and over again in today's episode is is that it's important to research this stuff and give yourself that education that you need and you deserve. And a a channel that I would really look into, they're called Coin Bureau. So I really enjoy listening to them on their YouTube channels. So if you're somebody who is in the crypto space and trading or just wanting to get more into this, I would really go check out their channel. Now here's some truths. Here are some truths about Bitcoin. You know, Folks are saying, well, a bug in Bitcoin's code could render it worthless. And yeah, a bug is possible. With a global network of miners, I think a bug is possible. And so these bugs actually have happened in the past, 2010 and another one in 2013. But since 2013, Bitcoin has not had any technical issues since and has been up 99.9% since then. That's huge. And well, what happens then if like our fiat currency, you know, the American dollar, it's fiat currency, fiat currency, meaning that it's not backed up by anything. Well, what happened to the fiat currency of the American dollar when it was no longer backed up by gold? It's true. When you put that dollar back into the free market and you have the public choose whether it's worthless or not. So I don't think that the coding can ever say that it's worthless. I think it has to be the attention of of what the public is looking at that because now it's within the free market. And that's why I like to follow the Austrian school of economics because it's all about the free market to have the freedom, liberty, and justice to do whatever you want with your money and your dollars. So Something else that folks are talking about is is that regulations will slow Bitcoin adoption, which is true. And we're seeing that here in in quarter one of this year. Another comment that they're making is, is that people could lose interest. You know, because central bank digital currencies, that's why people could lose interest or what's also called BCBD. However, they couldn't be more different, in my opinion. You know, BTC Bitcoin versus central bank digital currency, BCBD, you know, the biggest difference between them is, is that BTC Bitcoin is designed for financial freedom, where BCBD is designed for total financial control, Invo- Involving the government back into your life, the spending and the savings that you are doing for yourself and your family. So, one, you got more government intervention where they're going to be in control, where the other is totally up to the free markets and the free people. And lastly, there are unknown unknowns, which I agree. I think there's all unknown unknowns in anything that you're talking about. You know, and these criticisms could be justified, but may not be as extreme as they seem. I mean, the example I was just thinking about, you know, kind of prepping for this episode here today is could you ever predict that the pandemic was going to happen No, you couldn't. And there could be a problem that no one has ever anticipated. So not just in the cryptocurrency space, in the digital market, but also in the current fiat market that we have now called the U.S. dollar. So why am I bringing this to y'all's attention? I'm bringing it to your attention because I have adopted something into my own personal investment portfolios where I have about three to five percent of my investment within the digital crypto space. And we got to understand that things are changing in the world. You know, there's all talk about the new world order and us going to a cashless society and all digital currency and You need to understand these changes because you need to prepare for what may happen in the future. And in my opinion, probably will happen. And so... There are a lot of unknown unknowns, especially right now with the adoption of cryptocurrency, but diversify, right? Diversify into things that you like, know, and understand to hedge and protect yourself from what could happen in the economy. And so some economists are saying to hold about three to 5%, that's why I do it, of your investment portfolio in crypto. And that's why I'm talking to y'all today. I just want you to understand what I'm doing. And y'all, how am I doing this? I'm using my policy money to do so. Remember, right, the whole idea of why we're practicing the infinite banking concept is to take back the control from the banks. And so what I'm doing is I don't leave any more than three months of my overhead expenses down at the local bank. And that majority, if I see that there is more then three months of overhead inside of my commercial bank account down at the local bank, I am moving that and I'm storing it back inside of my policies. And then through my policies is how I am going out and I am buying my investments that I'm getting into. And how I'm buying my cryptocurrency is through my policy loan money. Because remember, it's not the either or. Hey, I'm going to go put my money into crypto or I'm going to hold it inside of my policy. No, it's the and asset. I'm going to run and funnel my money through the policy first, and then go make my investment into crypto. So now I'm just double dipping on the dollar. This is why me personally, if I have my investor glasses on, why I am funneling these dollars through the policy first. Because once that money hits the policy, now for the rest of my life, I am earning that guaranteed, uninterrupted compounding interest. That's tax-free. It's protected. God forbid if I get sued, no one can come after the money in my policies. Government's completely out of my hair. And this vehicle's got a death benefit on it. I know I don't talk too much about the death benefit aspect of the policies, but it is there and it's a cherry on top of the cake. That's where the generational wealth and the legacy aspect of this concept comes into play. So like my goals and what I am doing for myself is I am using my policy cash values today I am purchasing myself assets, maybe some cash flowing assets like real estate, and then come the time of my graduation date, aka my death date, I will be able to leave my family these portfolio of investments that I hold, the cash flowing assets that I hold plus that payout of the death benefit when that time comes because it's not an if i die it's a when i die everybody's got an expiration date so I think there's going to be some really interesting and cool things coming up in 2024. I was actually just on a team meeting earlier today where the energy in the air just feels a little different. I feel like we're in a different kind of revolutionary time right now, and I'm excited. I'm excited about the changes that are happening, and I just wanted to report back to y'all about my findings of what I've been doing over here, reading up on things, and I encourage you, my Community to do the same thing. So, if this is your first time also hearing about the infinite banking concept, go read this black book, Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash, or you can even go to our website, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash presentation, and you can get all of the basic understanding and knowledge of what is IBC? How are we practicing it? Why are we doing it? What even is it? And you'll get more information over there. And stay tuned. Every single week I am here. Every Tuesday I upload a new episode. I am always up for suggestions on topics y'all want to talk about with me, or I said that a little odd, I meant topics that you want me to chat about, there we go, and maybe even some guests you want me to have on the show as well. So 2024 is going to be a great year. I got a lot of upcoming travel, live speaking that I'll be doing and classes I'll be teaching and a lot more Zoom webinars as well. So if y'all were out for my uh, Saturday uh, this past month, I hosted the Wealth Building boot camp for Millennials, myself and Jonah Dew, who's a mentor on my team. If you go look him up, he goes by the Banking Bros on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. And so Jonah and myself, we had a great time teaching to the community and uh, just having those one-on-one conversations with each other. So hopefully this information is helpful. Go out, do your own research. And I am so excited. Have a blessed and awesome 2024. I'll be back every single week to share the most up-to-date financial knowledge with y'all. Until then, I'll see you then. Bye-bye.